Hi friends, this is Elise, the Managing Director of Pantsuit Politics. Every once in a while, we like to give you a glimpse of what's happening over on our premium channels, and today is one of those days. Yesterday, Beth released a premium episode about how complicated the choice to get married can be for a person with disabilities. We love our premium spaces in part because they allow us to step back from the main headlines of the day and dive deep into important issues like this one. And of course, we dive deep into the headlines as well, but we also have the space to do things like this. We hope you enjoy this free episode of More to Say, one of our premium shows. And if you're not already part of our premium community, we really hope you'll consider joining us either through Patreon or Apple Podcast subscriptions. The links to do so are in the show notes. This week is such a year. There's a Republican presidential primary debate tonight. Tomorrow, House Republicans will hold their first impeachment inquiry hearing. Saturday is the deadline to fund the government. It's a lot. And we will get to all of it, I promise. But today, I want to go in a totally different direction. I want to talk about marriage and disabilities. On a Wednesday afternoon this month, September 13th, 20 couples gathered on the National Mall to get married. Patrice Jetter, a 59-year-old school crossing guard and special Olympian who has cerebral palsy, led the ceremony from a stage that had this massive pink and red heart on it. She wore a rainbow gown and a matching headpiece and a sash that read, Love is Love. And while the couples married, they chanted, We would like to get married and be able to go to the doctor. Today, there's more to say about the financial trap created when a person with disabilities gets married. can't really talk about this issue without talking about Lori Long. In 2015, at the age of 50, Lori met Mark Contreras on Match.com. She found herself engaged in emails that just felt special. She and Mark decided to meet a few weeks later at a California restaurant. Before that date, Lori decided she needed to disclose something. And she explained to Mark that she has a spinal disease, ankylosing spondylitis, It causes her to walk with a cane and her body pitches forward. She gets bone fractures. Sometimes she uses a wheelchair. Mark said it wouldn't have mattered. He knew from the emails that they were going to be a pair. He proposed after they'd been together for three months and they have been engaged since 2016, but they haven't gotten married because their marriage would cause Lori to lose her benefits under Social Security and Medicaid. Mark is an accountant at a nonprofit Lori works part-time at a home goods store. Adding Lori to Mark's insurance would be prohibitively expensive. It also would not give her the kinds of coverage that she depends on from Medicaid to care for the needs that her condition creates. So Lori has become an advocate for marriage for disabled people, which means changing a set of complicated administrative rules. Nothing about Social Security, Medicaid, and Medicare is straightforward. And that is going to be true today. As one of my favorite journalists in the disability space, Andrew Pullrang, writes, there are a cluster of Social Security, Medicaid, and Medicare rules that make getting married financially and medically impractical or impossible for many people with disabilities. So I want to first talk about a designation called DAC, or the Disabled Child Benefit from the Social Security Administration. There are about 1.1 million people who receive a monthly stipend and Medicare coverage and sometimes Medicaid coverage based on their status as a DAC, a disabled adult child of a working adult. To be a disabled adult child, you must be unable to engage in substantial gainful activity 
and have a qualifying disability that began before you reached age 22. So if someone receiving DAC benefits gets married, they lose their monthly stipend as well as their Medicare. They can also lose their Medicaid. Again, it's a complex web of benefits and qualifications. But these are extremely serious penalties. It's terrible for anyone to go without insurance and access to care. It can be life-threatening for people with the kinds of disabilities that qualify them for these benefits to lose the benefits. The exceptions to the marriage penalty are for other people already receiving similar benefits. So if you want to marry and keep your benefits, you need to marry someone who is also designated a disabled adult child or who is receiving Social Security Disability Insurance, SSDI, or who is receiving Social Security benefits because of old age or a secondary benefit. And this seems like the most inhumane thing we could say to someone. Either don't get married or choose a partner from these categories of people. You can also lose benefits if you receive Supplemental Security Income, or SSI, and marry someone who has an ordinary or higher income level or a higher level of assets than you. If you start to have too much money available in your life, you can lose Supplemental Security Income. And that is a program that provides monthly payments to people with disabilities and older adults who have little to no income or resources. If two people who both receive supplemental security income get married, they both face a reduction in benefits. The Disability Rights Education and Defense Fund emphasizes three profoundly unfair results of the way these rules are written. Number one, there is an illusion of choice without the reality of choice. A person who qualifies for these benefits that are at risk cannot just make the decision to get married and forego the benefits and go find a well-paying job. They're receiving the benefits precisely because they cannot work at a substantial gainful activity. Number two, the disabled adult child benefit is associated with young age, disabilities that begin before age 22. This means that the marriage penalty applies during the years of life when many people are marrying and starting families. And number three, the United States has historically organized are systems that deliver medical care and support to people with serious disabilities through Medicare and Medicaid. So forgoing these services is just not a realistic option for people with significant disabilities to continue to have the medical care that is required for them. Fortunately, a member of Congress is working on this. In January 2022, Representative Jimmy Panetta of California's 20th District, Lori and Mark's representative, introduced the Marriage Equality for Disabled Adults Act. His staff was shocked to learn from Lori that she accurately understood what would happen to her benefits if she and Mark married. So this bill has been introduced and referred to committee. It would eliminate the requirement that a disabled adult child beneficiary be unmarried. It would eliminate the rule removing benefits if a DAC beneficiary marries. It would change social security rules around common law marriages and ensure that when two DAC beneficiaries marry each other, both spouses can receive supplemental security income and Medicaid as if they were unmarried. The bill is projected to increase the cost of the Social Security Disability Insurance Fund by only 0.01%, and it would probably reduce supplemental security insurance payments. 
Now, Representative Panetta's bill is not universally beloved by disabilities advocates because there are people who say this doesn't go far enough. There are marriage penalties embedded in other benefits that are not addressed. And Panetta says, I agree. I understand and I am with you. And I hope that by starting narrowly, we can educate people on this topic, which is just not on a lot of people's radars, and build momentum for bigger changes. There are state legislatures trying to make changes where they can. California has a bill pending that essentially supports that federal bill. Pennsylvania enacted a law in 2021 expanding its medical assistance for workers with disabilities. But we need more momentum at the federal level and fresh thinking about people with disabilities from Congress. These laws, as Lori puts it, are based on the idea that people with disabilities would never be candidates for marriage. And they're not part of a thoughtful, well-designed approach to disabilities care in the first place. We have cobbled together almost all of our health care programs over time based on who's lobbying for what or who is moved by a particular story and what lawmakers can attach a pet project to. So it's done with good intentions, but we build layers on top of layers without a cohesive look at the net effect. All of the income and marriage restrictions end up trapping people in poverty so they don't lose access to medical care. And we prevent people from living out their vision for their lives so they can hang on to the care that sustains their bodies. Andrew Pulrang writes, These rules that relate to disabled people and marriage seem especially unjust and emotionally punishing. They also clash with values that are cherished across the political spectrum, the universality of love, the stabilizing influence of family, and the right to enjoy these things, especially by marginalized people who are still either formally or informally barred from them. So if you are hearing this and feel moved to action and you have a minute, I hope that you'll send a message in support of Representative Panetta's bill, the Marriage Equality for Disabled Adults Act, to your congressional representative. It doesn't have to be long or formal. You can just say, I learned about how marriage jeopardizes benefits for people with disabilities today on a podcast and it feels wrong to me. I'm writing to ask you to support this legislation. And we will put the name of the legislation and the House bill number in the show notes so that this can just be a copy and paste for you if you're so inclined. Mark and Lori still are not married legally as far as I can tell from my research. Mark has given Lori a wedding band and Lori says she wears that band on the outside of the engagement ring and hopes to eventually take their vows and move it to what she views as its proper spot. And I hope that that happens for them and many, many other couples very soon. 